in the book in, in the Old Testament, I believe it's Book of Ezra. Uh, they found the Word of God, and uh, it had been gone for a good many years. And so they found the Word of God, and they said, "You know what? There's a lot of stuff in here we haven't been doing." And so the 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 man of God got up, and it's the only mention in the Scripture of a pulpit. He got up on a on a raised platform and stood behind a pulpit, and they opened up the 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 law at that particular time, and he read it. Now, how many here have ever read uh, all the law in, in the Old Testament? If you've been reading with us, you've been reading some of that. And how many know that's not the most enjoyable reading in the wor- world? You think we've had some dead services. My goodness, that must have been rough. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. And the, the people stood the entirety of the time as he, uh, as he read that. And every time he would, he would read something, they'd say, Amen. And so we have biblical precedent for responding to the Word of God. And we just need to make sure we do it in the measure that we want to see an outpouring. Because I'd hate to go home and know that my lack of demonstration could be what hindered what God wanted to do in my life. All right? Okay, now I've just cut into all my time. Uh, I want to finish what I started last week, and I know this can be a difficult subject and, and certainly not trying to, to make it one, but I do think it's an important subject, and it's something that we need to talk about because we need to know why we do the things we do. We understand we're obviously a little bit uh, different in our appearance uh, than, maybe, than maybe some other people are, and that's not because we... We, we think they're people who don't love God. Okay? That's not because we think we're better than anybody else. We do what we do as far as our outward external appearance. And by the way, again, don't judge this, what I'm teaching tonight, without having gone and listened to the other lessons we've taught. We've already talked about all the interior stuff, okay? And so we believe in that too. We believe in having a good attitude and a right spirit and all of those things. We know that Pharisees, they were whited sepulchers on the outside, but inwardly they were full of dead men's bones. Jesus rebuked them. We don't want to be a Pharisee. But that also doesn't mean we don't want to be holy and and not just inward stuff, but outward stuff as well. And so uh, we don't believe it saves us. We don't think that, that we're better than anybody. We don't think it... Uh, that other people don't love God as much as we do. What we know is that we have a revelation of the holiness of God and that God desires us to be holy as He is holy. That's what the Scripture says. Be ye holy as I am holy. The Lord's speaking. And so because He is holy, He wants His people to be holy. And so then it, it, it begins a journey of what does holiness look like, right? If God wants us to be holy, then... That means we must go on a journey on what holiness looks like. So that's why we've been in this study. And so we are dealing with, with clothing and the differences in clothing and all of that. So uh, I'll finish that tonight. Let me, uh, let me read some scriptures to you. I'm going to go through some different things. Um, I tell you what, before we do, let's just pray together. Ask the Lord to give us good attitudes. Ask the Lord to give us a spirit of revelation in this place tonight and ask God to help us to receive his word. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. We are so thankful for your goodness. We are so thankful for your loving kindness. We are so thankful for the blessings you bestowed upon us. God, in all that you have given to us, I pray that we would not 
that, that we would never cease to follow after you. And if you've asked us to be holy, then we want to be holy, God. So I pray you would open our understanding tonight. Give us revelation. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be open to receiving what your word has to say. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Um, clothing is significant in Scripture. Clothing, for modesty's sake, is something that was instituted by God. And I'll probably go through several verses here. You can try to keep up. If you can't, don't worry about it. You just do what you can, Brother Andrew, because I didn't give you these ahead of time, and I'm sorry. Um, Genesis 3.21, the Bible says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. God wanted Adam and Eve to be clothed. God wanted Adam and Eve to have something that would allow them to be modest, as evidenced by that scripture. Uh, Ezekiel 16.39 lets us know that nakedness is a mark of shame. It says, and I will also give thee into their hand. He's talking to his people, telling them what he would do to, to them if they, if they continue down the path they were on. He said, I will give you into their hand, and they shall throw down thine eminent place, and shall break down thy high places. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes, and shall take thy fair jewels, and leave thee naked and bare. Luke 8, 27 said, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, as a man possessed with devils, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Nakedness is something that, was, that is not uh, identified with God, but rather it is identified uh, with your enemy, or it's identified with the devil. Um, some, I'm just going to give you some topics here and give you scriptures for it so I can move quickly. Jesus was concerned about external covering just as much as he was about internal deliverance. Mark 5 and 15 says this, And they come to Jesus. This is when he was at the place of the Gadarenes. And they come to Jesus, and they saw that man, that, who I just mentioned, that had been possessed with the devil and had the legion, they saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The man came to Jesus. Jesus didn't put clothes on him first. He delivered him first. He said, the devils need to come out. When he delivered the man, the next thing that you see happening is the man sitting with Jesus, and now he is clothed. Why? Because he's in the presence of a holy God. He was clothed. Clothing can be used or lack thereof or the type of can be used to indicate in Scripture a negative state of spirituality. 2 Samuel 14 and 2 says, And Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman and said unto her, I pray thee, uh, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner and put on now mourning and anoint not thyself with oil but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. There was a peril that identified her as a mourner. Psalm 35, 13 says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. Uh, when, when they went to the Lord in prayer, when they were sick, 
they changed their raiment from their regular garment into sackcloth because it indicated a certain spiritual state. Psalm 109 and 18 says, As he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water and like oil into his bones. Psalm 109 and 29, Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame and let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle. Ezekiel 7, 27, The king shall mourn and the prince shall be clothed with desolation and the hands of the people of the land shall be troubled. I will do unto them after their way and according to their deserts will I judge them and they shall know that I am the Lord. The wearing of clothing that is a proper uh, state of clothing is commanded by God. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2 and 9, he said, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That doesn't mean you've got to have a downcast look. I'll explain what that means later. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 3, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. He's talking about of a specific type of apparel. Improper, here's another uh, uh, point for you. Improper clothing displeases the Lord greatly. Zephaniah 1 and 8, And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Deuteronomy 22 and 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Uh, People who were not dressed appropriately could not enter the king's presence. Esther 4 and 2 says, that And they came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. If you were going to go into the king's presence, you had to be clothed appropriately. A change of clothing was required. And I'm just right now I'm just making the point that clothing is important in Scripture. A change of clothing was required to be in that royal presence. Esther 5 and 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house, and the king sat upon his royal throne and the royal house over against the gate of the house. Second Samuel 12 and 20 says, And David arose from the earth. This is very powerful. Let's get this one on the screen. Second Samuel 12 and 20. This is when David uh, had, uh, had sinned with Bathsheba, and there's a son being born. And the Bible says, uh, as that son died, that David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself. And changed his apparel. Why? Because he's been in sackcloth and ashes. He's been mourning. He's been in a place of repentance. Because he knew that he was not right with God. So he has humbled himself before God. Now that this this period of time has passed. He's going to go before the Lord. And what does he do? He washes himself. He anoints himself. He changes his apparel. And he came into the house of the Lord. And worshipped. Then he came to his own house. And Uh, They set bread before him. He ate. Uh, David would not go into the house of the Lord dressed in an inappropriate manner. Why? Because he was going to be in God's presence. 
you could go on and on. They used clothing to indicate the blessing of a king. Uh, a king's glory was even evidenced by the clothing of his servants. You can read that about Solomon. Clothing is indicative of personal purity. Second Samuel thirteen eighteen said, And she had a garment of divers colors, that means many colors, upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Clothing is indicative of a repentant attitude. Joshua 7, 6, 2 Chronicles 34, 19, 2 Chronicles 34, 27. Clothing is used in Scripture as a type of spirituality. Psalm 132 and 16 says, I will also clothe her priest with salvation. Psalm 132, 18 says, His enemies will I clothe with shame. Zechariah 3 and 4, And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Proverbs 31, 25, Strength and honor are her clothing. Isaiah 59, 17, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for his clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. You could talk about Job, uh, Isaiah, uh, Psalms, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5 and 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And finally, clothing is an identifiable mark of the redeemed in eternity. Revelation 4 and 4 says, And round about the throne were 24 seats, and upon the seats I saw 24 elders sitting and clothed in white raiment. Revelation 7 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. And, and you could go on through, through that particular book. I'm, I'm just making the point that Scripture always uses clothing to talk about how people stand before God. And so we understand that, that whether you had on a, a sport coat tonight or you don't, that doesn't mean that, that you are or are not right with God. If that's the case, I'm glad I am. Just kidding, y'all. We understand that, but the principles of modesty and clothed as God would have us to be clothed are very important. And, and these are things we need to understand. When we get to the last days, and I believe we are living in the last days, I am shocked. I am absolutely shocked by what I see happening in our world today. It's, a, it's just incredible what people are, are crying out against. Woe to them that call good evil and evil good, the Bible said. We live in such a day. And I'm going to tell you, Scripture lets us know, God will not allow that to continue forever. God is going to stop one of these days and say, All right, I've, 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 I have held back as long as I will, and now it is time for me to go and receive my bride. And so when we get to these days that we are living in right now, there is an antichrist spirit Peter talked about. There is an antichrist spirit in John uh, that, that is already at work in the world. And the only thing that holds it back is the church of the living God. 
those that are filled with the Spirit of God, the Bible says, are the only thing holding back the tide of, of complete worldliness and evil from, from sweeping through and, and everything being washed away in a great tsunami. And so uh, we need to understand that. Isaiah 4 and 1 says this. It's very powerful. Please hear this. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Now, you have to understand that the last day church is represented in Revelation by seven candlesticks. Uh, the seven would-be brides of Isaiah 4 and 1 are a prophetic picture of the church in the last days. All seven women, notice this, all seven of these women seek to take hold of one man. In other words, it's like the seven churches seeking after Jesus Christ. They seek to take hold of one man. And just as all, just as the characteristic of those seven churches in Revelation can be seen today, this type of apostate attitude of these women is also found throughout the church world today. And when I say these women, I'm talking about the, 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 the woman is a type of the church, okay? I'm not saying this is only for women. You have to understand types in the Bible. And this is that, that attitude. We are living in a day that many Christians want to eat their own bread. In other words, they want their own interpretation of God's word. Don't give me the word of God. Don't tell me what I need to do to be saved. Don't preach to me and, and, and explain to me uh, how I can be born again. I'm going to do it my own way. Just let me eat my own bread. The word of God is the bread of life, we're told. So let me eat my own bread. But they, they don't understand that their bread is polluted. Their bread is unacceptable to God. We are told by Paul in 2 Timothy 4 and 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves te teachers having itching ears. Malachi 1 and 7, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, wherein, how have we polluted you? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. He said, when you want to put your bread, your polluted bread, on my altar, then you are saying that my table is just some ordinary plain thing that can be polluted. But I'm telling you, God said, that my table is a holy thing, and it must only hold up a holy bread. So that's why we can't have our own interpretation. There is no private interpretation of the Word of God. There is not the way I see it and the way you see it and the way he sees it and the way she sees it. There's only the way God sees it. And so when we begin to try to uh, parse through it and, and, and to sift through it and find what we want and, and take that and then, and then push away what we don't or try to use a scripture that is out of context to, to prove a point that is not there. I, I read something today. I'm going I'm, 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 I'm gonna to get off of Twitter, y'all. Because I, I followed too many political people on there, okay, and and I got and and and, and I have I have strong opinions, okay, I have strong opinions, and so um, I like to 
I would follow it for because it was a lot of place where a lot of friends of mine would would share little sermon nuggets and stuff, and I that's good stuff, you know. And 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 then I started following some of these political people, and all I do is get upset. And we had this fire in 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 Paris the other day. Is that where the Notre Dame Cathedral is? Paris. Uh, we had this fire in Paris the other day, and and this cathedral began to burn, which is a, a terrible thing. And and uh, certainly praying for for the people of France and and all that. That's probably their greatest monument that they have there. I wish I wish the Lord was still being lifted up there. But that's a whole nother thing. But. Uh, uh, anyways, th- this this cathedral burned, and and there was a political pundit who who said something to the effect of, uh, "What a what a shame this is, because this was a monument of Western civilization that we we're seeing go up in flames." And somebody took his comment, and 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 who, who a a a a major journalist took his co- comment, who writes for the New York Times and different ones, and, and teaches journalism, I believe, at Harvard, or at least used to, and said that his comment was, was inciting violence against Muslims. <laughs> Had nothing to do with it. He said it was a, it was a, it was a great monument to Western civilization that, that's coming down. He never mentioned anything about any religion in that. And he's a Jew, the guy who wrote it. He's not a Christian, he's a Jew. And he said, he said I can respect you know, this monument to, to, and what it's meant and signified for all these years. And this person, just because they hate him, uh, tried to use his words to say he was speaking inflammatory remarks against Muslims. And he said, what are you talking about? That, that had nothing to do with what I was saying. If y'all want to know who it is later, I'll tell you, okay? I'll just tell you, it's Ben Shapiro, if you go look, okay? You can go find it and, and see what he said and, and read the article she wrote. And it's, it's absolutely out of context. Well, we got people in Christianity doing the same thing. And they're taking something and they're completely blowing it out of context to try to make it sound like... We got people who are taking comments from the Word of God trying to make it seem like we're bigots or racist or hateful. That's not true. That's not true. So we've got to rightly divide the Word of God. We don't need to be like these seven who were saying, let us have our own bread. All right? So they were saying, we want our own bread. Then they said this. Not only do we want our own bread. Can you put that scripture back up there? It's uh, Isaiah 4 and 1. Isaiah 4 and 1. Not only did they want their own bread, but they also said, uh, we'll eat our own bread and we will wear our own apparel. That was the second thing they wanted. And just as they wanted that, there are many Christians today who want to wear their own apparel. They want to reject separation from the world. They want to reject reproof from their pastor. They want to reject holiness preaching and spiritual authority and anything that they think is negative or doesn't fit the the terms they want to do life on. These women want to be the bride of Christ or the, in other words, these churches want to be the bride of Christ, but only on their own terms. They have no desire to submit to the authority of their husband, which would be Christ. They're not interested in his needs or his concerns. They want an arrangement that benefits them without intimacy, love, or devotion. All they want is their sins removed. And that is the apostate spirit of the last day's church. 
And we'd better be careful we don't allow that to come in where we start saying, you know what, we'll have our own interpretation of your word. And I'll have my own interpretation of what separation means. And I'll do my thing. Don't give me uh, your bread. Don't give me your apparel. All I want is your name. Won't that preach? And there's too many saying, we want the name applied to our lives, but we don't want the other stuff. Oh, help us, Lord. That we will take the whole thing. This is not a marriage of convenience. This is a marriage of God and his bride. Uh, The bridegroom and the bride love one another. The bridegroom and the bride are devoted to one another. And that is the church we must be today. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Uh, In scripture, dress and appearance are an important indicator of our Christian character. Some people dress to be admired. Pleasing themselves. Other people dress to be accepted. Pleasing others. We however dress to glorify God. And please him. So clothes are important for the Christian. Because they serve as a frame. To reveal the picture of the one we serve. We cannot say what I look like. Is not anybody's business. Because what we look like. Reflects our Lord. And how he has changed our life. From the inside out. All right. And all through scripture, it's very consistent in its condemnation of improper apparel. And and so that is not something that ends in Revelation chapter 22, folks. That continues on, all right? Because the church, we preach about the book of Acts is still going on, right? We're still writing the book of Acts. Woo! It's it's one of the only books in the Bible that doesn't say amen at the end of it. You want to know why it is? It's because it's still being written. Y'all didn't know I had so much good preaching me, did you? And and, and so they, you know, they say all that. And and uh the problem, the the, the problem is we want to claim that that God's church is still glorious and moving forward and all that stuff. But if that's the case, we've got to understand his principles are also still remaining. Amen. Amen. And so uh, uh, we must we must understand these things and we must take them to heart. Modesty must conform to God's opinion and not our opinion. So, well, I think and with all due respect, I don't care what you think. Right. If my kid comes to me, I've told you all before, you know. But, 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 my dad, I, I, that's why, I, but, 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 my dad say, I, I don't care. And now I say it to my kids. It don't matter what you think. It don't matter how you feel about it. It matters how I feel about it. And God's going to look at us and say, it don't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you felt about it. It mattered what I had to say about it. And he said, the way you show that you love me is that you obey my word. Is that what scripture said? Yeah. Amen. So we must conform to God's opinion and not ours. The Bible explicitly condemns the lustful look, the revealing clothes of our day. Folks, let's not be dumb about this. Let's not be ignorant about this. It's very obvious that the revealing clothes of our day are to awaken lustful passions in the heart of the beholder, and they obviously contribute to the downfall of our society in a tremendous way. We can try to act like it's whatever, but but we need to call a spade a spade. 
By dressing modestly, the Christian woman especially plays a key role in public morality. God calls us to dress modestly not only to prevent sin, but also to preserve intimacy. There are things that are a gift from God in marriage, but it is a shame and danger when when things that should be intimate are exposed to others. And the intimate relationship with one's spouse is a fragile one. Even if you're not married yet, you already uh, have somebody out there who one day will be your spouse. And you need to guard for them or you need to guard for your spouse now what, what you are. And, and, and save that only for that person. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, Christians must respect gender distinctions in clothing by wearing apparel that affirms their male or female identities. I dealt with this. Uh, we, we need gender-specific clothing. Uh, men need to look like men. Women need to look like women. It, we, we should not, it should not be hard to tell. We had a situation the other day. My son was trying to be polite to a particular employee at a particular place, and he was, we try to teach our kids to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. <laughs> this is true. It's a true story. We try to, now I'm remembering where it is now. Um, we try to teach our kids, I'm not going to tell you all, so don't. We try to teach our kids to be respectful, and they don't always get it, but, but we work on it. You know, if they don't, we try to, yeah, yeah, excuse me, yeah, yes, sir, that's right. So we were at a place, and a person came by and, and took an order, and, and Asher had a specific request, and so then he tried to say, uh, they said, you mean this? And, and he was saying, and he wanted to say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. And he said, y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when they left, he leaned over to me. He said, Dad, I didn't know to say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. I said, that's okay, buddy. I don't either. <laughs> And I'm not try- I'm really not trying to, to make fun of them and mock them. I, I'm, I'm laughing at, at the ridiculousness of a situation that we've gotten to a place in society that, that that's where we're at and, and that my kid can't even, can't even tell. And, and, and you had a deal on the news a while back of somebody who, who is a man but wants to be a woman and got upset at the video store, I think it was. Somebody might could help me on that. And was hollering, "It's ma'am," because the, the person said, "Yes, sir," or something, and and or said, "Excuse me, sir," and it's ma'am, it's ma'am. He got all upset at him, and so that's the day we're living in. That is not the way of God. And in our and we should be we should be kind. And I don't think you need to go around ridiculing people. And and I don't think that brings any glory to God. And uh, and we need to we need to have a heart for people. Okay, but at the same time, we need to stand for what is right. And in this church, we do. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So that principle goes all the way back to creation. That is a creation principles. Clothes and other external things do not make a Christian. But real Christians always reveal their identity through their modest clothing and appearance. Hello, somebody. You cannot make yourself a Christian by putting something on. But a real Christian will seek to wear something that also does not 
bring reproach upon the name of the Lord. And we'll grow in God. Somebody may not be where they, where, where they need to be yet. And that's fine. As long as they're going in the right direction, this pastor is more than happy. More than happy. So let's talk about mankind's first clothing. And Sister Bonnie shared a scripture with me the other day, too, uh, dealing with all of this. Uh, in, at the beginning, Adam and Eve were clothed in innocence. But after sin came, their nakedness became a shame to them. And their nakedness was not a result of removing physical garments, but their nakedness was a result uh, of them becoming aware of it because of the sin that was in their life. When that happened, when they ate of the fruit of that tree, they now were separated from God's glory, which I told you was their covering prior to. Genesis 3.25 said, and they were both, or 2.25 says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. That's when they were clothed with glory. They were naked. They didn't what have on clothes as we would say. They just had the glory of God covering them. They were not ashamed because that nakedness was not known because of the covering of God's glory. Genesis 3, 7 says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew now that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Genesis 3, 10 said, After God came looking for Adam, Adam says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Now, notice this, because I'm about to make a strong point about it. I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then Genesis 3.21 said, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Adam and Eve tried to cover their nakedness by sewing together fig leaves to make an apron. The Hebrew word there is hagora, which means a girdle, a belt, a loincloth or covering. This is a garment that covered just their, the, the private region around the hips. And that would be a man's idea of modest apparel. However, verse 10 indicates to us that they still knew that they were naked in God's sight. How do we know that? Because even after they had sewed that covering together, they went and hid when they heard God. They went and hid, and God said, why are you hiding? He said, because we were naked. How are you naked? You covered fig leaves together because, because what I thought was okay out, outside of the presence of God, when I get near the presence of God, I begin to realize it's not okay. Amen? Since their covering was not acceptable to God, he used animal skins to make them coats. The Hebrew word, kudanet, I'm no, I'm no Hebrew scholar, okay? It means a tunic with sleeves coming down to the knees. This is a garment with sleeves. It covers from the shoulders at least, covering the shoulders and then down to the knees. And that is God's idea of modest apparel, and it dates back to Adam and Eve. And so I may get into this later at some point in this series, but what I ask in this church is that we have clothing that covers our shoulders and we have clothing that covers our knees because I believe that is a good biblical definition of modesty as far as what areas of the body need to be covered. And that is the scripture we get that from, or one of the scriptures, excuse me, we get that from. So... uh, Why is that such a big deal? Because that's how God decided to clothe Adam and Eve. 
God said, I, what you did, putting this fig leaf, fig leaf apron on, that's not good enough. And you knew it wasn't good enough because you hid when you heard me coming. So I'm going to give you something that is, uh, that is greater than that. The covering I give you covers the shoulders all the way down to the knees. And so when we are uh, dressing ourselves, our children, I think it's highly important that we make sure we wear clothing. Remember, there's two principles of, of, of how we dress, right? Modesty, gender distinction. Okay, I've, I've tried to hammer that. So I'm dealing with the modest issue right now. I've been kind of going back and forth. And modesty, it covers the shoulders, it covers the knees. And that is what God gave to Adam and Eve when they, became, when they began to understand they were naked because his glory no longer covered them. That's not my definition, by the way. That's definitions that come from many authorities on, on the word of God and many different commentaries that you could read and I could give you names of. I would submit to you that since God does not change, that the principles of modest apparel have not changed either. Well, you know, all that stuff was under the law. No, no, no. Adam and Eve weren't under the law. Folks, we got to think about this stuff. Adam and Eve did not live under the law. They predated it by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They didn't live under the law. Thousands of years. And so what was modest for them uh, is going to be modest for us. It was Genesis all the way through Revelation and continuing to our day. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So let's remember that. Let's always make sure to remember that. Um, let's see, I'm going to skip some of that. Going to skip this. Going to skip that. No, I won't skip. No, I'm just kidding, y'all. Okay. <laughs> um, the original function of clothing. The original function of clothing. We worship clothing today, don't we? You know, we, we've got all these fashion shows and, 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 and clothes can be so expensive and, and it, it's, just a, it's just a whole other world now. What time is it? Why do y'all let me go so long? Um, we need to be careful we don't, we, we don't get that way. The original function of it was to protect the body from the climate and lustful desires. However, people eventually began to make clothing and ornaments the expression of pride and lust. And these desires led people to flaunt themselves with showy or scanty dress and costly or gaudy ornaments. And so apparel, adornment, soon became the, the indicator of spiritual decline. And you can see it in different places. The more depraved people became, the more outwardly extravagant and immodest they became. Rome, anybody? The Greek culture, anybody? America, anybody? All right. So we've, we've talked about modesty. And, and let me say this about modesty. Just because it covers the shoulders and, and covers the knee doesn't mean it's modest. Well, how so? Because sometimes folks have a tendency to put something on that is so tight that there's nothing left of the imagination. And that can be just as immodest as anything else. 
And we need to be careful. We need to be careful because this is one of the things I fear about Pentecost is that we think if, well, we got our needs covered and, and you know, all this stuff, we're good. I'm, I'm wearing a skirt. Everything's fine. And, and that doesn't make it modest. We need to make sure what we do is modest. And um, in my house, there's, there's been stuff that as, as, as I've gotten a little bit, y'all wouldn't recognize high school me. I know y'all think I'm a small, skinny guy now, but folks, you really would have thought so back then. I can't, Sean knows, I can't wear what I wore back then, okay? I couldn't, I couldn't come close to it. And, and, <laughs> and you're, you, you need to be glad, okay? All right? That I don't try. Um, and, and ladies, if, please have enough respect for yourself, for your husband, and for others. And God, God, yourself, your husband, and others have enough respect. To, if, if something's too tight to say, you know what? I don't want to wear something that, that might bring a reproach. And where's the rule of thumb? Here's the rule of thumb. Better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. Well, help me, Lord. And, and you know, I, times change. All that stuff happens. We understand all that, you know, and... And I'm not telling you not where you can't wear current fashions. And I'm not saying none of that. I'm just saying make sure whatever the current fashion is, if it's not modest, don't wear it. If it is modest, by all means, wear it. But guys with skinny jeans and... <laughs> and I realize there's some of us that can make any jeans skinny jeans. <laughs> that was funny, y'all. <laughs> that was funny. Let's be modest, gentlemen. Let's be modest. All right? And my wife's told me before when something needed to go out of the closet for me. <laughs> I've told her if I felt something needed to go out of the closet. We help each other that way. Do that in your home. And don't make that a fight with your spouse. Thank God that if there ever was something, this is how I know her heart. Because when I said, eh, I don't feel real good about that. Oh, my, okay. No problem. But when we start fighting over it, it reveals our heart. I just threw that in for good measure. <laughs> All right. So it's got to be gender distinct, and I'm going to clothe with this, okay? Uh, and I talked a little bit about this last time, and this is what I'll end apparel with uh, this time. Um, it's obvious that there was gender-distinct clothing, even in Bible days. Everybody wore robes. Yep, they did. They did, but they were very distinct, and men had breeches on under them. Breeches, by the way, is the word we get pants from, men. Okay? And, and they wore breeches under theirs, and then men were, uh, at times, they would gird up their loins. Okay? And you can find out about breeches. I don't have time to give you all the, read the scriptures, but I'll quote them to you if you want to hear them. Exodus 28, 42, 39, 28, Leviticus 6 and 10, 16 and 4, Ezekiel 44, 18. Women were not allowed in Scripture to wear breeches, though they were trousers to extend, again, below the knee. That's where the later English word breeches developed from and uh, in our modern concept of pants. Uh, so pants were worn exclusively by men for the first 5,900 years of human history. It is only in the last uh, century that women's apparel has suddenly become impractical for women to wear. 
but it was very practical before that. But now it's impractical, I guess. In trying to argue a positive case for cross-dressing, some point out that every time the word skirt is used in uh, the King James Version of the Bible, it refers to a man. It's not talking about a man wearing a skirt, y'all. Sorry. It's, again, somebody taking something completely out of context. The skirt was the edge of a garment. When David cut the skirt off Saul's robe, it was the edge of his garment that he cut off. All right? So... Uh, it was a corner. Uh, men in Bible times were permitted to gird up their loins while, while women were not. A man could, could take the outside part of his garment and, with the inside and he would roll it up, tuck it into his belt, and then and he already had breeches on. And so then he could gird up his loins. He would go into battle that way. He would do something uh, very physical that way. And if you watch some older movies from biblical times, you'll see people like that in them, the men doing that, because that is a, that is a fact of the Word of God. All right? It gave them a distinctively masculine appearance. Um, but for a woman to gird up their loins like a man was considered grossly immodest by God in biblical history. Let me talk about girding up your loins. Job 38 and 3. Gird up now thy loins like a man. Job 47. Gird up thy loins now like a man. Jeremiah 1, 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. He's talking to the man. 1 Peter 1, 13. Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. It was in alignment with masculine roles and responsibilities. When God wanted Jeremiah to be a man and not be afraid of the people, he said, don't be afraid of their faces, and deliver his prophetic message, he said, uh, Jeremiah, you need to gird up your loins. It was a, something he was telling him to be a man. When God wanted Job to face him as a man uh, and be accountable for the things he was saying, God told him, gird up your loins, Job. I got something to say to you. And then he goes into giving him a dressing. Uh, that's not a good analogy, a dressing down. I shouldn't use that terminology, should I? Bad phrase there. <laughs> you got to you pick your phrases for your, for your lessons, you know. So, um, it, it was an abomination to God for a woman to wear that, according to Deuteronomy 22 and 5, Wear that which pertains to a man, and for a man to put on a woman's garment. All that do so are abomination, Lord thy God, which is an everlasting thing because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? And so that is why we ask men to wear pants, and that's why we ask women to wear skirts or dresses. It's not because we think it makes us better than anybody and, and other people don't love God like we do. None of that has anything to do with it. We ask you to do it because it is a distinctly masculine thing for us to wear pants. It's a distinctly feminine thing for women to wear dresses. There were two people at whatever award show it was recently. I don't know if it was Oscars or, or Golden Globes or whichever one was going. Two, two men recently went to that, and they put on dresses to go. And it was, it was back a few years ago, it would have just been catastrophic news. It, been, it didn't even make a blip on the radar. Most of you probably never heard about it, did you? Why? Because our culture has gotten so excessive in what it accepts now. But they wore dresses. One of them was a man wearing a low-cut dress, hair on his chest. 
low-cut dress, V-neck, and then a super tight uh, uh, formal gown going to this deal. And, and it is disgusting as it sounds, I promise you. I saw the picture. I saw the picture. But, but here's the deal. Those that were taking pictures of it, you know why they took pictures of it? Nobody knew the guy's name. You know why they took pictures of it? Because everybody was saying it's different. It pertains to a woman. Right? So let us make sure that we don't involve ourselves uh, with those things. And, and we, we do this because we're trying to honor God. Well, I don't think, you know, I think that was for their time and their culture. And if you want to have any of those arguments, that's going to be up to you, okay? You can try to explain away whatever you want to try to explain away. And there is only so far that I'll be, you keep trying to, to say, but what about this? And what if? And what if? And what if? You can what if all day long. And, and, and I don't know where you're going to go with all that. But I'm going to tell you this. The safe thing that I know from Scripture is two things. Be modest. From the shoulders all the way down past the knees. That's modesty. Gender distinction. Men wear pants. Women wear skirts and dresses. They're distinctively masculine and feminine. And if anybody wants to argue that, then I, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'll be like Paul. We don't have any custom to argue about that stuff. That's just who we are. Okay? And, and somebody else can disagree with me, and that's their business. But I pastor this church, and I'm trying to get this church to heaven. And I'm certainly not trying to, to, to just to do whatever. I, I'm trying to lead people into a relationship with God. And I want you to understand why we do what we do. And so I've tried to give you scripture and chapter and verse for why we do what we do. Because I'm not just asking you to do something blindly. I'm asking you to do something with understanding. I'm asking you to understand how it's done. And I'm asking you to understand why it's done. Because we want to bring glory to God. Because we serve a holy God. And we want to be a holy people. Would you just clap your hands and give Him praise? Let's stand as we do that tonight. Let's just stand and give the Lord praise and thanksgiving together. Amen. Amen. I will tell you this. There have been some who have tried to discount Deuteronomy 22 and 5 because it is a very strong scripture that we often go to. Why do we go to it? Because it's so very clear. That's why we go to it. And some have discounted it to say that the word man there, which is a Hebrew word, which is geber, should actually be translated soldier. They say, well, it shouldn't say man, it should say a soldier because it comes from a root word meaning strong. However, no Bible, major Bible translation uses the English word soldier to translate Geber even once, though the term is used 66 times in Scripture. None of them even use it to do that. So when people try to, well, that's really talking, I've, heard, I've had that argued to me before. From somebody who's leaving principles of holiness. Well, you know, that's really talking about a soldier. No, it is not. No, it is not. It is talking about a man. And that's why it's consistently translated from Scripture that particular way. So we want to make sure that we're modest. We want to make sure we're gender distinct. We're not trying to make people uncomfortable. We're not trying to be mean or any other thing. And if you walk out of here saying that, then you walked out of here saying the wrong thing. 
We are trying to please God. And, and I understand a lot of different churches can have a lot of different uh, feelings about different scriptures. But in this church, I'm going to pastor this church. I've got to try to get people to heaven. And I'm going to take it just as, just as close to the word of God as I possibly can. And we're not going to try to shortcut this thing. We're going to try to be safe and holy in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God. I got a daughter that's five years old out there. And the allure of the world pulls on her every day. It pulls on her every day. And, and she's going to fight some of those things. And it would sure make this, not even talking to you as your pastor right now, it would sure make this dad feel a whole lot better if she had a whole lot of role models in this church that said, nope, you can do it. We've done it. I've done it. And, and, and young ladies a little older than her and, and ages on up from her, they've done it too. And I want my daughter to look at, at, at people who have done these things. I want my son to look at people who have done these things and know that they can make it. And I'm going to tell you, I have found that when we begin to let these things down in the home, that's when we begin to, I'm going to say something real tough right here, but hear what I'm saying. That's when we begin to lose our children to the world, when we do not take strong stands for the word of God. I'm not telling you to make your children frumpy, and we need to represent Jesus Christ better than that. You don't need to go out looking uh, like something that, that is embarrassing. Okay, now you catch me on the wrong day, I've been fooling with horses, I might look embarrassing. But y'all know what I mean, right? <laughs> we, need to, we need to make our daughters feel good about the way they look. They don't need to feel like they, they look embarrassing. They need to feel like they look like little ladies. And, and we need to do our part. And, and, and as we do that, I'm going to tell you, God will honor it. Did we do okay tonight? Let's give God one more hand clap of praise. We love you, Jesus. We are thankful for your word because it is your word that brought to us salvation, God. But you didn't just give us salvation. You said, now protect the thing that I've done in your life. And it is holiness that protects the salvation. And so, God, because we want to protect what you've done in our lives, we want to grow in you. So we're asking for your holiness, your, 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 your sanctification to come and to surround us. We do want to be a separated people, God, because this world is very fleeting and passing away. But we're headed to that city whose builder and maker is God. And Lord, you said there, everybody's clothed the same there. Everybody had on white robes.